Welcome back, listeners. And welcome back to you as well, Jack. I didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Well, before we jump into the tape, I do have a quick question for you. You said that the next two tapes are the ones you can't really make anything out on. Is that correct? Yeah. Do you think there's any merit to sharing them with the audience? No. I've listened to them a bunch, and neither of them have anything intelligible on them. Are you opposed to sharing them with the audience? I don't care, but it's just a bunch of noise. I think if you release them as an episode, you'll be back to single-digit subscribers. (laughs) All right. Well, I know this kind of breaks the rules, but will you share them with me so I can decide? Sure. There are only three tapes left and two of them are junk, so I think it's fine. I'll share my drive folder with you. All right, audience, let us know. If you want those two tapes released, we'll get them up for you. Is there anything else you would like to discuss before playing this tape, Jack? Nope. We do have to warn our listeners, some people might find some of the language and circumstances being described in this tape disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. All right, there's a lot to cover on this tape, so let's jump right into it. It has been... Starting off with the fact that I have officially checked the first thing off of my go-home list. I found the building that I'm going to hide out in on the day that I'm ready to leave. I think it used to be a party store. Um, It doesn't matter what it used to be. It was cleared out by the time I got there. What matters is that it's near the edge of town, um, but just out of sight of the woods, and structurally it's intact. I mean, it it had a um, what looked like a bullet hole uh, in one of the front windows, but... I just kind of pasted some like cardboard and um, flyers and whatever else I can find in the area over it. Um, it doesn't need to be um, weatherproof or anything. It just needs to, you know, block out scent in case. So with progress, as always, comes punishment. And that night the thing from the woods was back and uh, angrier than it's ever been. Um, this time it, it started actually pounding on the walls and I sincerely thought that it was going to break it down you know and honestly even if it wasn't going to to break down the walls I was going to have a breakdown um I I I couldn't I I'd I'd reached my breaking point and and I and I needed I got desperate and I, I decided to try something you know this idea that I've been floating around for a while and and it worked um let me let me explain um, I'm not letting this alter my plan for getting out of here, but I've come to the realization that, that this has to be purgatory. I feel that, that, that's the only thing that, that makes sense as much as anything makes sense here. I, and I haven't really started to deconstruct what all that means. You know, I mean, I mean, I, you know, if I'm in purgatory, that means and that this tape recorder doesn't actually exist and, and no one's ever going to hear this tape and, and, and a lot more that I have just kind of tucked in the back of my brain right now, because I just, I don't have, I, I just don't have the energy to go through it, you know? 
So I started going under the the, the belief of, okay, if, if this is purgatory, what does that actually mean? What practical benefit does acknowledge, acknowledging that give me? You know, so I started to think like, okay, if I'm in purgatory, I'm on the cusp uh, of, of my eternal essence going to either a positive conclusion or, or a negative conclusion. And I need to tip the scales some way so that I make sure that I end up in a positive place, you know, but how can I do that in here? You know how I'm alone. I I can't make amends for anything I've done with anyone. You know, I I can't build a better future. I I, I can't help someone else randomly. You know, I'm just here by myself. So so really all that leaves is, is, is for me to be punished. What if I have to make some sort of act of penance? What if, what if by being in here, I, I have to try and and you know acknowledge the things that I've done wrong and 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 relive that experience and and, and try and you know apologize and and, and you know uh, confess. My, my wrongdoings, you know, so I started to think about all the wrong things that I've ever done in my life. And, and, you know, sure, there's, there's plenty of examples of, of times that I wish I was kinder or, or things that I would do differently, giving another opportunity, but I really could only narrow it down to five things that I've done that I felt could realistically have affected me on a metaphysical level. Five things that I've done in my life that I feel bad enough about or that I think we're wrong enough that 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 I I could see some sort of penance um, being required for it. So when the thing was pounding on the wall, um, I spoke one of these stories aloud. I acknowledged what I did wrong and I apologized for it and and I relived that that moment and. Um, and as soon as I finished the story, the thing calmed down, and moments later, it left. And I cannot describe the relief I felt. And now I had a weapon. You know, now I had a weapon that I can use against this thing. And, and as amazing as that was, it now added another problem into the equation. I have five stories that I can tell. And only four of them left. The next morning, just wanted to get out. I did to stay in instead because I I wanted to see if a the thing was going to come into town at all, and b if it was going to be like a normal night or if it was going to be like a night where I've made some sort of progress to see the the potency, I guess, of, of of one of these confessions. That night, the thing from the woods did not make contact with the bowling alley. It did not stick around. It it, it could have been any other night. So. I now had to test the theory going the other way. The next morning, daybreak happens, and I immediately go out um, and start trying to find a bike. Um, An important thing to note is uh, on one of my earlier runs, I found a business map in the town, and it had all the you know local businesses listed on there. And one of the businesses was a hardware store. This hardware store was located at the end of a dead end street. Which is a terrible place to put a business, if you're curious. Um, and so I start heading down this. I turn down the street to to head down to the to the where this hardware store is supposed to be. And as soon as I get on the street, I can see at the end of the building King's Hardware. 
next to the bowling alley. It's the nicest looking building in in this town. So I get really excited and I start running towards it. Because, like I don't know if it was an earthquake or or whatever, but there was this giant ravine now between King's Hardware and the next closest building. And um, not only was it this crack that goes across the road. It was a U-shaped crack that went around either side of the building as well that disappeared deep into the woods that are located behind King's. So if I even wanted to try and walk around this crack, the only thing I could do is go into the woods. And obviously that wasn't going to happen. You know, I started thinking, okay, fine. I I, sh- I expected the town to put an obst- another obstacle in front of me. I didn't think it was going to be that easy anyways. Um, so I think, okay, I'll just build a bridge. You know, I'll find some um, some ladders or, or anything in the town that I can stretch from one end to the other, and then I just cross it and enter Kings that way. Uh, that wasn't going to work. King's side, there was maybe maybe a foot of, of dirt lip kind of around the edge of the building, but it was loose and crumbly, and there was no way I was going to risk my life on doing that. Like I could, you know, lay the, the whatever bridge I make across. But the problem with that is that it's a two-story building, and, you know, maybe there's something I can use that would be strong enough and long enough, but I, I don't know what it is. You know, if I find something in town, great, but I, I'm going under the assumption that that's going to be a no-go. So the real only other way that I can think to try and get over there is, you know, if I, I walked up to the edge of the ravine to look down to see, you know, if it's like a sheer surface and, you know, maybe I can, there there's outjuts of rock that I can place something on or, you know, anything, and... Nope, they slope inwards. The the it was not a sheer face. It was not a rocky you know edges. It was like two inward sloping, um, you know, on either side, on that side, on the king side, and on the flower shop side. Um, so that that wasn't gonna work either, you know. But I did see what I think to be a way in because down underneath Kings behind the slope so I couldn't really see where it was coming from but I could see an artificial light coming out from underneath there now that means that this earthquake or whatever tore away maybe part of the foundation and I'm getting some light from the basement or maybe it exposed some sewer lines or something but there's something intact enough over there that's open that has a light source coming out of Maybe I could see if this flower shop had a basement, and if it did, maybe I can stretch a bridge across the two basements, you know, or or a sewer line or something or whatever. But but I could I can make a connection from here to there. And like I said, the flower shop was was pretty pretty well destroyed. It looked like a bomb had been dropped on it practically. I mean, the roof was still partially there, and um, but like there were no doors left. All the the windows were broken. There was broken glass and everything. But there's one functional door, um, and I open it up, and it stares at me down in the basement. So I can prop the door open, and I start walking down the stairs. Um, I can't see the basement landing, um, but I just, you know, walk down, and I assume that I'll see it before too long. And, and then the door swings shut behind me. I'm now in pure darkness, but... Uh, I really want to see if if I can get into this basement. So I keep walking. I keep my hand on the wall. And I, you know, walk, I don't know, another 10, 20 steps or so. And and this is when I start to think that I really should be at the bottom now, you know. Um, but I, I just keep going and I walk for another 
probably about five minutes, just continuously walking down the stairs. And I never reach an end. I decide um, this is scary as hell, and um, I decide that it's probably best to reassess the situation. So I turn around and I, I start heading up the stairs pretty quickly. Um, and then, you know, have you ever had that feeling where you just feel like there's something behind you? Um, and it kind of just sends a chill up your spine. I think um, I remember my dad used to say he felt like someone was walking over his grave. And I just got spooked, I guess, for lack of a better term. And so I started running up the stairs. And um, I, I don't know how many steps I went down. If if you made me guess, I'd probably say 150, 200, somewhere in that range. But on the way back up, I, I got at most 25 steps before I slammed into the door that was at the top of the stairs and it flung open and I collapsed out onto the floor. I get out into the flower shop and I realize that it is nighttime somehow. And uh, the door swung open and hit the wall and, and made a really, a rather loud banging noise. And I could hear the thing from the woods screaming. But not like it, it's normal scream. This one sounded really angry. And it wasn't that far away. And like I said, this building was, was just a shell of a building. Um, so I didn't really have any other place that I can go and hide out. So I go back into this fucking eternal darkness staircase. And I shut the door. And then I hear the thing come inside the flower shop. I, I, I can hear the wood creak beneath it. I can hear the broken glass crunching. And then I just feel one solid smash up against the door. It knew exactly where I was. If this door opened into the basement instead of out of, it, it would have smashed right through. And so I start saying my next confession. And it lets out a, a rage-filled scream this time. And it hits the door one more time. But this time, it wasn't trying to get in. It was just making sure that I knew how mad it was. And I was gone. I waited 30 minutes. I opened the door and ran back to the bowling alley. And I think I probably could have just had a leisurely stroll back if I wanted. Because I didn't hear the thing anywhere. And that was last night. Dawn happened about 30 minutes ago. And I really want to get into that fucking basement. So I'm going to go back out and I'm going to try again. But I want to try something before I leave. Weird things have been happening lately. Like, um, uh, just, I, it's hard to exp explain, but little, like this, this bowling alley, it just feels less and less safe. It's like, it's almost like there's gremlins or something in here. So I, I think... I think I need to get out of here. Uh, and I'll take a, a rest day if I have to, and if it feels safe, you know, maybe I'll take a second if, if, if I need to, but I really, really want to get out of here. I want to try something different before I go back to try and solve the uh, the king's dilemma, I guess you can call it. Um, this may end up being a wasted bullet, I want to try and record 
one of my confessions. I feel like maybe if I put it to tape, it'll be more permanent and and then the banishment will be more permanent, you know? Um, and maybe it won't work, who knows? But, um, but I, I, I think it, it might help. So I'm going to do an act of penance right now. And I'm going to go with the biggest one. When my brother and I were kids, I witnessed the first time he killed someone. My brother and I were at our, our family summer home, and we were playing baseball with another local kid. Um, Sam Sullivan was his name. And, uh... Sam was, um... Sam, Sam was an asshole. You know, he wasn't a bad person, but he, he was an asshole. You know, a lot of kids are that grow up with generational wealth, like, uh, like my brother and I. They just think that they're better, so they think that they can treat people worse. And he, he was also a, a lot better of a ball player than I, than I was. And when he or my brother were up, they would hit the ball all the time and hit it really far. And, and I hadn't gotten a single hit all day, you know, I, I, I was a really emotional kid. And, um, and so, you know, I was just getting more and more mad as the night went on. And, and that was causing me to, to, to do worse and worse. And my brother pulled me to the side and he said, Blue. And that was his nickname for me, like a, like a umpire. Um, because he said I was always trying to butt into stuff. He told me that you need to try and calm down, that you're swinging angry. And that uh, that you won't be able to focus if you, if you do that. I told him that I didn't want to calm down. I just wanted to hit the ball so hard that it disappeared into the lake. That and then we could stop playing this stupid game. He looked at me and he said, y "You want that?" And I said, "Yeah." And uh, he said, "Okay. Well, if you want, I can do that." And I I said, "Okay." Yeah, I just wanted to go home at this point. I didn't care anymore. You know, because cause Sam, Sam was being really mean to me. He was, you know, he's asking if, if I wanted him to bring the tea out. And he was asking if there was a hole in the bat. And, he, you know, he was just, he was being a kid, you know. He was being an asshole of a kid, but he was just being a kid. And, um, and then so we switched positions and, and Sam was catching still. And, and I threw the first pitch and my brother swung so hard that he spun around in his shoes and the baseball bat connected right onto Sam's temple and he killed him and um, I remember there just being so much blood you know and it was coming out of his eye and coming out of a bruise on the side of his head and coming out of his nose and his mouth there's just so much blood and I got so scared you know I couldn't even process what was happening I didn't know what was going on I, my brain just it, it wouldn't connect the pieces you know and um, and I told my brother that we should just go drag him in the lake 
and just say that we didn't see him, you know? And I didn't know what I was suggesting. You know, I didn't really understand what was happening. And I should have never said that. And my brother said, no. He said, no, we have to go tell our parents. We have to go tell them right away, you know? And I tried to beg him to, to just take him into the lake. And he wouldn't. So we went. We went home. And, and we went to find our parents to tell them. And, and and uh, they weren't home. So we went over to his parents. And they were home. And we told them. And I remember them running out of the house, and then I don't remember a lot after that. You know, but years later, my my parents would try and say that this is when it started. You know, that he got the they got he got the taste for it, and that's fucking wrong. It was an accident. It was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Hello, listeners. Well, this is kind of awkward. As you can see, it's just me here now. In between when I filmed this episode and now, I learned a few things that I need to address here. We did film a second part of the podcast where Jack and I discuss what happens on this tape but I don't know if we'll ever show it. Ever since we released the episode for Tape E, Jack's sister has been desperately trying to get a hold of me. In an effort to not betray Jack's trust, I reached out to her before I responded to her sister. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but this set Jack off. I told Jack that I hadn't spoken with her sister yet, but that didn't seem to matter. Jack was extremely upset about some of the things her sister said in her email to me and has since stopped responding to my messages. Based off of the content of the email and Jack's reaction, frankly, I don't know the best way to proceed from here. I'm releasing this episode as is for two reasons. First, I'm hoping Jack will see this and respond to me so we can have an honest conversation about what is going on. And second, because I feel I owe it to you, the audience. You've stuck with us this long, so you deserve to know the truth of what's going on. I do have the rest of the audio file, so unless Jack reaches out and asks me not to, I'm still going to do an episode for Tape I. She was right that the other two are just junk noise, but I can still release them if you want them. This part is to you directly, Jack. I still haven't spoken with your sister, and I might not, if you reach out to me first. I want to hear your side of the story, and I am so worried about you. 
I still believe you, Jack. But I feel I deserve an explanation. Now back to you, the audience. There is a chance here that we've all been led on a wild goose chase. And if that turns out to be the case, I would just like to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to give Jack some time to get back with me, but I promise as soon as I can, I will give you all an explanation. Thank you, and we'll talk soon.